Hey Rippers, are you learning how to surf? But are you a kook or a beginner? We're both. <laughs> <laughs> you do know there's a big difference between the two, right? And since there's many things you can do to earn the title of being a kook, stay tuned in and listen as my good friend Sal Termini and I talk about learning how to surf. If you don't know by now, us surfers love to spot a kook. But don't stress it, because we've all kooked it at some point. But the more you know, the less you'll kook it. So strap on your leash and get ready to learn. The KookCast is here to lead you on your journey out of kookdom one episode at a time. And hopefully, offer you some traction on this slippery slope between kookery and killing it. I'm your host, Coach Chris, and I started the surf coaching and education program, The Surf Continuum. All right. Call that one a success. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. It took me like 10 times. Jeez. Uh, I think it has to do with being here with my very good friend, so I'm actually really excited about this episode today because I have my dear, dear friend and probably my first surf buddy ever. Bro, we skated together before we even surfed. True. And yeah, we were, we're really going to go back. Yeah. And I was always jealous because you guys, you and Joe could always like ollie the stairs and like do all that technical stuff. After I broke some bones, I'm like, I'm going to stay in the water. <laughs> I remember, I remember you so frequently breaking something. Yeah. I and was... my dad almost, I remember so when we were really young, like young enough that, you know, your father or your mother has to take you around and watch you guys. I remember my dad almost getting to the point where he'd be stressed every time you came over and we'd go skating because he's like, oh God, Sal, Sal, come on, Sal. I was just a big guy, man. I had a lot, I had a lot of uh, energy. I was moving around. So, but dude, to your credit, you did so good, like keeping up with us. So let's, let's tell everybody who Joe is, first of all. Yeah. Joe's my older brother and um, he's basically, if there was a, the equivalent of having like a daredevil older brother. That like should, he should have done like professional stunt he really stunt doubling, but he wound up becoming a photographer and a surfer and a bunch of other things. But and him starting to surf is probably the reason I wanted to start surfing because I think he's probably the first one, right? Out of you guys, yeah, yeah. Out of the three brothers, Joe probably was the most um, like passionate about surfing. I remember, I remember when he got his first surfboard, him pulling it out of the car and showing me, and it was like instant. Oh, jealousy yeah. and envy and I think it was like probably a year or two before I actually got my own board and and that was a long time it felt at that age to want to learn how to surf and to see you you know and you were lucky that you had him there so you did you ever get to try those boards no no <laughs> I, I couldn't ride them man like that was the whole other thing like when I got my first board equipment is so huge equipment is huge when mm -hmm. I got my first board I got someone bought me like a uh I think it was like my mom or dad or somebody like it was it was like a $10 board and it was like a 5-4 and I paddled it out every day and I remember just being so frustrated trying to five, stand four? up. 5-4? Yeah, 5-4. Oh my God. But you remember, I mean, look, for your audience like to describe, like I was like, I was always overweight. I was always like a big... You were a big dude. I was always a big kid. Like I was a, I was a plus, you know, I was extra large, whatever you want to say. So like I remember just being, paddling for waves, trying to get up on it everything like it was just such a, I had such a hard time and when I first started really surfing I took out my mom's longboard and, and that was the break caught like every wave and I could get up so easily and the repetitions that I could get in was insane I mean it's funny now because beginners don't do it and I say it to them all the time I'm like you need to sit inside and you need to catch the crumble for the next two years totally and get yourself into the pocket at some point well, the reforms, hunting for reforms. Right. I think that is one of the most overlooked 
ways to learn and, and learn how to catch waves because catching waves is essentially what surfing is, you know, at least for the beginning of your career or journey, you know, and catching crumble whitewater on the inside and then finding the reforms and learning how to set your rail and kind of go angled across the whitewater. And then, you know, sometimes you just happen to find yourself on the reforming wave where, you know, that, that whitewater shedding off the back and here you are on open face, you know, and it's just so much better for beginners to do because you get the reps in practice your stand-ups, practice, you know, balancing your weight on top of the board. It's not, you can't just throw yourself up on top of a board. You got to consider your, your You're less likely going to nosedive also well, yeah. on the takeoff. And that's what scares the shit out of people. Yeah. And, but, and, but you, but you get that chaos, you get hit by the crumble from behind and you get that chaotic moment where it's like, whoa, I, you just want to hold on, especially mm-hmm. if it's like a little bit bigger, you know? Mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, so many people, even this year that I tried to teach to surf, oh, I want to go out and I want you to get me into, you know, I want to paddle into like a, a, a big wave or I want to paddle into a waist high wave. They did that a hundred times and they nosedived every time because mm-hmm. they're right in the curl of the wave and they don't like, you have to set your board on an angle. You have to do all these other things. Other things. Where they could have just had a blast, which after they... I would maybe, you know, be like, yeah, go for this one. Like, I might have purposely sent them in on some stuff that <laughs> really sent them over the nose, you know. But they were friends, you know, so it wasn't like, uh... but then they'd finally like, be like, okay, uh, maybe we should try it. What, what's your way? You what was know? your idea again? <laughs> like, I'm like, yes. Now come inside. I'll like push you into a little guy or you could paddle into a little guy and like really get that get the vibe you have because you still have to what i always say you know in my teaching is that you have to start learning like the most basic things you know standing up on the board and and balancing your weight on top of that board without bogging a rail or being too far forward so you nosedive or too far back so you stall right there is just such a complex nuanced basic and and if you're trying to do that and well not even do that but learn that at the same time as when you also have to do all these other things, like as when you do when you're taking off on an open face wave, forget it. And like you said, you're just going to keep nosediving. It's frustrating. And eventually it just gets scary because you know what to expect, you know, and you're just getting lifted by this And not wave. to mention, I'm coming down the line. <laughs> you better get the hell out of the way. <laughs> yeah, so Or that's, you are. I mean, you, you know. But you nailed it. I, tell, I say this to people a lot. Or and, I'm going to spray you with my boy. Like, you're, you're horrendously... You're not even slightly in the way. You're horrifically in the way, like, and you don't even know that you're doing it, but you're really being, you know. Right. And talk about the difference between a beginner and a kook. This is it right here. The kook is the person who wants to skip the basics and skip the inside and just go to the open face of the wave, not realizing how complex surfing is. And and not to mention that there's other good surfers out there who want to ride those waves and can ride those waves. And you're just this big old fool. We call it a kook in surfing right in the way. Whereas on the inside, you're a beginner and you're humble and you're learning the way little by little. It's a way. family out there too, Chris, right? Like we, how long have we been surfing together? Almost 30 years, right? When we go out there, we are cognizant that there's a little tribe out there. Right. And we, we, we go up to the tribe and we say, hey, how are you? What's up? We get to know the tribe. We don't, you know, like the ultimate form of respect, right, is if you and I are out on a big day. And this perfect set is coming out, and I and I'm on the inside of you, and I look at you, and I go, Chris, that's your wave, man. Mm-hmm. I give you that wave. I have guys. I had a guy this year, and I knew he was kind of new in uh, the the sphere, or whatever. And he was like a you know whatever. He 
as soon as he paddled out every time, he paddled out past everyone to the top of the peak. Mm-hmm. He'd catch all these waves. He had this bravado. He had this attitude. And one day I just paddled over to him and I'm like, hey, man, we're all a family out here and you have to share. And like, not only was he going out past everybody and catching the set wave right off the bat without waiting in line for the, you know, just waiting the turns, turn. the yeah. natural turns that happen, mm-hmm. but he just kept on like revolving door like getting the the quickest wave he can. And I said, hey man, we're all a family out here and we share. And I was like, and I don't know what part of society you're in where you don't have the same comment, but you, you know, you're online at the grocery store or something. Like you have to, you have to apply the same mannerisms that you right. do on land to life. Right. And if you don't, then you need some respect. Like you need to learn some respect and some like, you know, the way that it goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I'm not, I, you know, you know that sometimes I'm the one that ha- like says something, but there is a there is a a respect that you have that you go out there and you approach it all with. When I first started surfing, especially there at Ditch, there was older guys out there that were, and it, it, you know, not to also sound like oh, you know, I had all these old times badger me, so like now I want to badger everybody else. No, they had a they had a way that they kind of initiated you. Mm-hmm into the family and then when you're in the family you could never you could do no wrong and there was so much learning and there was so much love and there was so much but you there was a there was a trial period you know there was a period where you you experienced that i'm sure well any surfer does i think any surfer that makes it to that level where now you're a part of the tribe and it's like well it's not that you can't do no wrong but it's that you won't you don't want to because you have such a high respect and i think there's still violations you can commit and maybe do accidentally sometime, but that's where the forgiveness comes in. You know, like you already went through the trial period, so it's forgiven and and you recognize when you do wrong. But, you know, when you get to that level, or what I'm trying to say is any surfer has to get to that level, you know? And yeah, I was one of them and I had to go through, like I got yelled at by other people, strangers and friends, you know, for for doing the wrong thing. And you learn how to conduct yourself out in the lineup. And to have a good time, and and when it happens like that, it's just like any, it's just like anywhere in the world. Like there's rules on the road, uh, so that we don't crash into each other. I don't, I don't mean to jump into this right away, but really something that happened to me that I don't think I, I don't think I ever really told you the story. That w- it was when we were way younger. I was about ten years old, and there was a guy out there, and my mom was coming down the line, and my mom is not wasn't at the time as nimble to just really turn on a dime and to get out of this guy's way. Mm-hmm. And this guy, my mom had been riding the wave for at least like a f- three, four, five, you know, five seconds, whatever, a long enough time where it was like obvious she had the wave. And this guy just had no idea, wasn't looking, dropped in on my mom, dropped in, and he actually dropped in right to her ankle. Ooh. Whacked her on the ankle, she fell in the water, and my mom, she couldn't surf for like a couple days. And she was really hurt wow. by this guy who, you know, ma- had made a mistake and did something very beginner and newbie. And I remember having such, I, I remember feeling I don't want to do that to someone else. And that it is so unresponsible that this guy did this to my mother. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let this happen. When I see these kind of things happening, I got to say something. And it might be, it might be awkward or it might be weird, but it's almost like, that's a part of this whole thing, you know? Like, I don't pull out into traffic when there's a car coming. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to get into an accident. Right. You know? And ruin someone else's life, including yours. And it's like, okay, it's surfing, man. It's chill. Everything's vibes. But, like, there actually is a danger aspect to it. Of course, yeah. You know? 
I don't want to. I don't want to like stick on something like that, you know, so much. But no, no. But it's good to hear, and I, like let it be natural and evolve the way it does. Um, because these are topics I, I get letters all the time from people who just love to hear this stuff. And one of the number one requested um, things, you know, that people want to hear is just that etiquette. People really do care about wanting to know. Uh, like the right things to do in the lineup and how to conduct themselves so that they aren't, um, you know, the big old kook, basically. You know, people don't want to be. And it's just, it's encouraging to hear that. Anyway, what I'm just trying to say is that not a bad topic at all to be covering because people do want to hear that. They want to know every little aspect. And the hardest part about etiquette in surfing is that you're in this liquid medium. So every situation is very slightly different, even though it can be like categorized as the same thing, like dropping in on somebody. It's just so nuanced. So it's hard to just be like, okay, don't do People this. People are also do exercising. This. They're using their physical muscles, right? Let's say it's a little bit of a colder day out. They're, your mind gets frazzled. Like I've been out there on a big day and I've really taken a big, a big fall. And when I came back up, I was not the same in a way where I was like a little out of it. Mm. And even I could have made a, a mistake. That's the whole other thing. Is there's a big physical aspect to it. You're out, when if you're a beginner and you're first paddling out and you're like thinking like, oh, I'm just gonna paddle out and like, there's a big and you one of the when you were saying that you were starting the surf continuum and one of the biggest things that like I was so impressed about was you were talking about the paddling and how you're like I'm gonna have these stages of where people can get through these kind of checklist items that they need to have under their belt before they start. Mm -hmm. My dad, Stu from Aaron Speed, helped my dad learn how to surf. I mean, we, originally my dad, you know, paddled out there, stood up on a couple, but my dad really wanted to get better. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that Stu would do with my dad was they would go in at the um, at the jetty and they'd paddle down to cliffs. And then they would paddle back. And then he'd be like, okay, now we're going to start our surf lesson. Mm -hmm. And it was like... I can really appreciate that. Right off the bat, it's like, okay, can you paddle? You know? Right. It's... You know, I had someone, um, I had a friend of mine that went out recently um, in the beginning. Like, I, I had taken them out. I had shown them all the basics. I had shown them, like, how I think that you should swing your leg through mm -hmm. and how you shouldn't just hop up on the board. Right. And you need to have this yogic control as you're going into your warrior warrior two, basically. Right. Not to interrupt you, in. but it's what we call the difference between a stand-up and a pop-up. Right. And you need to learn how to stand up before that pop, that, that fluid pop evolves. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, but so, I mean, she nailed it right off the bat. She wanted to be in the crumble. She was having, do like, every single nuanced thing. And then as soon as she stood up, like, all I said was like, okay, look, look to your left next time you stand up. She looked to her left next time she stand up. Her shoulders followed where her neck was looking. And then she started to turn. Mm -hmm. Okay, now this time, she's like, whoa, that was crazy. Okay, now this time, look to the right really hard. And okay, her head turned right, her shoulders followed, and she turned. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, like it's an epiphany. But so then she paddled out one day, not with me, with, you know, some other group. And they, you know, kind of irresponsibly told her that she'd be fine out on this day. Mm -hmm. She went out and she got like really hurt. She got out there and she couldn't really paddle back in. Mm -hmm. And she got pounded by a wave and it like dislocated her knee actually. Mm -hmm. She was on her board and, you know, the board like rolled over with her and like basically just, you know, caught her leg the wrong way. Like... <laughs> You know, you know, like yeah, just something. Course. So many weird things can happen. You know, again, that's a whole other side of it. It's like, what are you prepared for, and what can you handle? You know, that was always a battle with our parents, right? I remember so many times <laughs> where my mom or your mom would be like, "You guys are not allowed to go out," and we were like, 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, like, no, we got it. No, Come we're not going to go It doesn't look that big. We're just going to go to the beach, but bring our stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> our moms were cool enough where they're like, okay, yeah, like, you think we're that stupid? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I was thinking about the day. I was, there was Before we were going to do this podcast, I thought of a couple of great memories I have. But I remember going to Cedar Beach um, or whatever it was, that place that you and I used to go. Point Lookout. Point Lookout. Yeah. And I remember one day, it was the most ice brick day of the year. We had wetsuits on, but I we're think like I 10. I know what you're going to say. So it's like 20 years ago. And I remember us pulling into these like micro barrels. Yep. I totally remember. Right in front of the rocks. Yes. And we were on our... It was the we, first time I ever really pulled under the lip and kept my eyes open. Yes. And I was like... And we were like, oh my God! Yep. You got to try this thing. Yes. Set, go left and just open your eyes and look and just don't fall off. Just open your eyes. And I yep. mean, eventually we got rolled. But for that moment, the lip going over your head and being in the tube... It was the most beautiful thing ever. And the sound inside the tube and everything. I remember a bunch of waves that day I took on my belly because I was just like... Just staying inside the tube. Yeah, yeah, so enamored by like this this thing, this crazy thing. Well, because it was also really But your really dad small. was in the parking lot, and your dad had put a wind sail on a skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your dad was so innovative, bro, like incredible. And he was ripping in the parking lot and yeah, well, full on tacking and windsurfing. Hell yeah. Anything for a quick fix <clears throat> sailing. My, yeah, my dad loves to sail. I remember, man... I guess we're just going to go all over the place, and that's the way it's going to be. So all the listeners, you yeah. can either turn it off now or enjoy <laughs> it. But, I mean, this is good friends getting back together after years and years of learning to surf together. So there's some great stories that are about to unfold. But I, So going back to the wind sailing, skate sailing, what you called it, I got a longboard skateboard. I had wanted it for like a year, and I got it for Christmas that year. And my dad was like, come on, let's let's put a sail on it. All I got to do is put a little hole you know, in the board. And I'm like, no, not my new longboard. You know, like, no. So I, I probably held out for a couple of weeks. And then finally he convinced me we should do it. And that's how that whole thing started. And then from there, he kept like building on it. He put these new trucks on so he could put, put bigger wheels on and go down the beach. But for I those mean, of you that have kids also, it's like, think about how much passion our parents instilled in us in the ocean before we ever even started surfing. Just from swimming in the water, then like just being a passenger on your dad's boat, mm -hmm. sailing with them. Like I sailed with my parents. I was just a passenger on the boat, riding the ocean right? with wind pushing us and keeping mm -hmm. us going. And then to, you know, skateboarding, which is like basically the fundamental of, I think that so many people, that's something that's missing. Like think about how many hours we used to, we used to put a piece of plywood up yeah. on like a two foot high wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like surfing. it would fall down every once in a, you know, it would, as it would like rumble down, but we would go up to the top, hit the lip on the piece of plywood and come back down. Uh -huh. I mean, how many thousands of times did we practice that in the backyard? Definitely thousands. <laughs> and then we eventually created a tent wave with a, with a tarp. Oh Yeah. That's right. We had three pieces of plywood all overlapping each other so that we wouldn't get our wheels like stuck. Like steps down. Yeah. Clink, 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 clink. And you used to pull up into it and somehow, sometimes your wheels would just give out and you were like on plywood, cement, two by fours falling on you. But if you nailed it, you were like in the barrel section of this tarp. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. All uh, these like practicing, you know, things... And it really did have a lot to do with like how you look at the ocean and, and waves because surfing is really a, con uh, a, a conglomerate of all of that stuff. You know, the sailing, the wind and the conditions and reading that. And then the movements, the body mechanics of going up and down a slope, you know, and, and pumping and using body mechanics to like maintain speed and all those things that me, me and Ev talk about this kind of stuff all the time. Like 
one of our biggest things and, and we can it's proven by the people we see but people who started boogie boarding first you know pick up surfing so much faster because they understand the concept of the wave and how the energy is moving and how you follow it by going down the line and setting your rail and not just straight towards the beach and beaching yourself up on the sand you know um but it's just surfing learning to surf it can be done in so many ways and they're just little micro steps towards proficiency you know and like just like you were saying riding your skateboard up and down plywood and sailing with our parents and 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 also the passion because it's an emotional journey too you know and and learning how to like persevere through all the the struggle because you know how good it can be you know and even though it's not like that now or tomorrow or even for the rest of this year you know that if you just keep chipping away you'll break through the wall and and be able to do it you know and and that reward is it's huge and it's what makes surfing so special you know because it's not easy and not everybody can just go out there and do it it's interesting too like for me it's like the why do you go out there and it's so easy like i was i was reading that thing to you before it's like i'm just a duck in the pond like letting the sun hit my face like it's something special about being out in the ocean itself mm. and its power and its beauty and its majesty. Right. And it's, Aside from riding waves. Yeah. Like I, I can remember so many days that I would just like go underwater and just like swim around and just look at the vastness of it and, and just enjoy the, just this liquid surrounding my body. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, it's just, it really all together is like this therapy that, you know, is, has been unmatched for me. I mean, I would say my art, making paintings or doing something like that, it has a close relation, but, you know, I don't think there's anything like being on a wave or... Yeah, yeah. It's the time, you know, like the other thing I would say, just as far as like, just from the surfing, learning, whatever perspective, I mean, the amount of hours that you and I went out into a day that was like, everyone of the old timers on the beach was like, oh, there's no waves today. Oh, there's nothing going on here. And we just had the blast of a lifetime out there, just in the water, catching thing, catching whatever little. When I when I would surf these in like I still surf like this now. Like I'll sit on the inside for the most part because I still have that reverence also of the mm-hmm. elders, which are not even really there any as much as they used to be. You know, like there was, whatever the the elders that I was used to mm-hmm. essentially were, are not there anymore. I still have that reverence of kind of sitting in from them, but. Just all those little nuances that you can get from those inside peaks and from all of those, uh, like, there'll be so many days where it's completely blown out and there's like one section where you can just drop in, come down the line, and you could just practice going off of that section. Right, yeah. And so many, and you know, so many times, like, I had a friend um, that I won't mention on this podcast, but I had a friend that, like, he would pull out every time. And I'd be like, bro! Do not pull out. You better hit that section. You better hit the lip. And he's like, oh, well, then I have to paddle, like, further More. out. And I have to get... I'm like, you know, that's like... He's like, that's the impact zone. I'm like, dude, you are a friggin' sissy. Like, I want to see you, like, bang. Like, and I'm like, once you feel that, I'm telling you, once you go you off of that... You can't pass up that section ever again. Once you go off of that, you will never come back from that. Like, totally. So he's like, okay, you know. And the first couple times, he was going off the back of it. And then, like, I was like, bro, just throw your shoulders back at the beach and, and make let sure the you wave st- push you. <clears throat> stay over your body. Uh, stay over your board and your body, but throw your shoulders back and wait for the rest. You know, bring it all around. You know, a lot of times, too, like, something that I realize about people with surfing is, like, they go to make a turn and they think it's, like, this instant reaction. They think it's like you're driving a car. Mm. 
But what's awesome and special about every board is it's, it has its own time sequence of when it turns, of how it turns, of how much rail, of how little rail. These subtleties are what has taken us, you know, thousands of hours to realize. Right, right. And still trying to do it, knowing what it's supposed to be like or feel like and not doing it, you know, and be like, ah, you know, position is a little off or I've got to be a little further on the tail or whatever it is. It's endless, you know? I mean, if it wasn't, then we'd all be stopping surfing once we did it, you know, quote unquote, did it. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you're, you know, if you're coming down, if you, if you just dropped in on a wave and you decided you're a regular foot and you decided you're going to go left, which is basically towards your back, right? Like which, how, are you going to have your weight shifted forward or are you going to have your weight shifted back? Personally? Yeah. Oh, definitely back. Yeah, same. So again, we just found a common denominator. Like I've, I, I've been surfing with some people this summer where I was just like, hey, when you get to the bottom, first of all, you, you made it past a nosedive somehow, but you have all your weight on your front foot. Yeah. So you're going to throw this like turn, and instead it's like you've slightly gone about three inches to the left. You right, know? right, right. But it's funny because it's like just a simple thing. It's, it's like so simple, shift but it your weight you back and forth. Shift your weight back and forth. I used to tell um, <clears throat> someone else that I taught like was... You know, and again, these were all friends. I didn't, I never did it like professionally ever. I just did it to teach friends. But I was, uh, this girl, she, her feet were like blocks on the board. And it's like once she set her feet from when she stood up, it, it, all bets were off. Like that was how where her feet were. Mm -hmm. And I said, I just want you to have static feet. Like just keep on pitter patting you like your mobile. feet. Isn't keep, static like stationary? Well, I meant, I meant like, uh, yeah, that and, and I had and I obviously warped that into my own how <laughs> my mind sees it like that. It's like on the TV, it's like constantly moving. Uh. Like, <laughs> thank you, Chris. On this podcast, I've realized static is the oh, opposite. That's why of, she didn't understand oh, me. That's why she never moved her feet. She was doing exactly what you said. <laughs> right, right. Um, but once she finally started to get that, and then she started to realize that when she was massaging to return, if she just kept on like kind of checking in on her feet mm -hmm. oh gosh the amount of energy she started to get out of returns dramatically improved you know right 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 it really is fascinating <clears throat> though how these are really simple concepts you know like where you position your weight and it should be further back for a sharp return or a bottom turner again like you said too the subtleties of each board but man it took me a pretty long time to figure that stuff out you know considering how much time i put in the water um it's it's almost feels like it's recent revelation, you know. Yeah. And it's 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 it just makes me realize how long the journey is, you know, to learn how to surf, especially around here journey. where we don't we don't get to surf a lot and the season's short, you know. So, I've been out a couple of days even recently where I just was catching crumble again. Yeah. And I was just like standing up on it, going parallel stance, futzing with my board and just just seeing how it reacts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a couple boards that uh, Joe and Sis left here that uh, they just were changing um, people that they were surfing with or whatever, sponsorships and stuff like that. So they just weren't using the boards anymore. So I got like this new quiver of like three long boards <laughs> and I've been just learning them and they're all their new nuances and it's cool because I've kind of stuck with the same board now for a while. I, I usually go with like a high performance, three fin, I love the Noah Ali'i from uh, uh, Takayama, like the comp competition model, no competition model, just because it, and then for all of my other, like surfing, like whatever, I had this pure fun that I got from my dad, that was, uh, who's that, Hank Bizet, who's the yeah, guy that it Bizet. is, right, yeah. yeah, 
But I mean, that board, I've had it for so many years and as a nose rider and every, like all around universal, like heavy glass longboard. But I realize more and more, I just want to be more high performance. I, I'm curious to hear from you. Some guy who I always looked up to is someone who never seemed afraid. You know, you were like, you were always bigger than me. You were always stronger than me. You always, and your older brothers would always charge and you would just follow right behind. And I kind of would reluctantly be on the tail end of it. Like, all right, I guess we're going out and surfing these waves, like terrified in my skin, but not wanted to back down in front of you guys. But to bring me to my question, what in surfing scares you? If not now, then in the past, what was the scariest aspect of surfing for you? Yeah. I mean, I want to kind of answer that question in two ways because you touched on something that's really important. But um, what scares me the most in surfing now is is um, is that there's and I hate to say it, man, it really is a bummer. But is when there's a lot of people out mm. and I really I've you know, again, you you know how I surf, man. Like I set my I set my uh, my choo choo train down the line and I'm like a freight train and I'm trying to get on the nose and I'm trying to get in the the, the fulcrum of the wave to get this like blasting speed so that I could get to get this heavy board and heavy frame into a spot where I could throw a crazy cutback right and then or or I want to go switch dance because there's a section coming and I want to go off the section and turn switch dance and come back down and believe it or not this year I almost really hurt some people and it was just because they plain old were just dropping in you know they weren't following the rules but they didn't know. Mm -hmm. And it was really scary to me because more than ever this year, like I really, I was like, holy cow, like they were almost at the bottom of the wave. So I was like, okay, I'll take a high line over them, you know, like, and I was on the nose already and I had saw it at the last second and I tried to go over and then like my fin caught, like caught something <laughs> and I like just, you know, lost my board. They seemed <laughs> fine. I'm like, are you all right? Yeah. Okay. You're all right. Like. But that's the scariest thing, man, you know? It really is but pretty scary. The other part of that is I was always scared. And my brother Joe, particularly, and my brother John were really, really tough on me when I was a kid. And I was the younger brother. I was five years younger and four years younger. But I remember that they used to say, we're about to paddle out. And you better be on our heels and you better make it past that section because we're, we don't fail. We as a family, we as brothers, we do not fail. Like, if you don't do this, then you didn't, like, you know, you, you didn't basically hold the line for, like, what we represent. And, like, you have to get through. They made it a pride thing. They really did make it, like, a serious thing. It would be insulting if I didn't get past that last, you know, feathering huge wave. And sometimes I would sit out there and I wouldn't catch a wave because I was literally that scared of just the power or I catch one and I'd be held under for so long and trying to catch my breath and you know meanwhile but, your brothers are out there happy <laughs> yeah they're just like oh this is great like, aren't you having a blast now but you know I remember one day in particular my brother Joe it was a it was like a really crazy hurricane my parents were on the beach and they're like you guys are not going out like this is really insane this is not you know no one else was out and it was uh Joe just said he's like we got to do it if anything, we got to just get out to that last peak. And he's like, and then we'll come in, baby Sal. But like, I really want you to come with me. And when we finally got out there, it was a fight, bro. And I'm not kidding. It was like a 45 minute paddle out where it was like I had gotten rejected. And but we both got out there and we were sitting out there and he looks at me and he goes, let me tell you something, Sal. He goes, what you just did right there is a metaphor for life. 
90%, maybe even 99% of life is paddling out. Hmm. Only about 1% is when you're catching the wave. And he's like, and whatever you do in life, you know, it's all of that preparation. It's all of that discipline. It's all of that that you do that really prepares you for what life has to throw at you. And he's like, and I'm proud of you because when you were going through the hardest part, you didn't give up. And now you are out here and you get the opportunity to ride the wave mm -hmm. because you put in all that hard work and never forget that. And I, it really has. It stuck with me till this day. Mm -hmm. It was a huge, it had a huge impression on my life. And, um, you know, I mean, as far as just, as far as being afraid of the ocean, I won't go past, um, you know, I go on, I go on fishing trips and I'm, I'm absolutely, reasonably, absolutely afraid of the ocean. If you ask me, hey, Sal, let's go on a trip and only thing we're going to do is just not be able to see the land, I wouldn't go. <laughs> I wouldn't go. Because I just know how powerful it is. Mm -hmm. We used to take these trips, right? My mom and dad had such guts. Like, they'd be like, oh, yeah, there's this hurricane barreling in on the eastern seaboard. But, like, we're going to just try to eke it up to Connecticut and, like, get to that, like, yacht club right before, like, the storm. And I remember being in swells, huge swells on the ocean and just the helplessness and the delirium I felt of just like, oh, my gosh, if this boat flips over, like, we're just all, like, just... <laughs> snatched up by like a dragon you know like and we're gone like it's it's got so much power it's funny you say dragon because i one of my favorite things that i saw on an old old map i was just obsessed with it i was looking at, i don't know if it was a museum or somewhere but it was old <clears throat> and it was like they were it was like at the time where they were just mapping out the eastern coast of the united states you know and there were parts on the map that they hadn't gotten to yet they didn't know what was there, so they would write and, and illustrate, here there be dragons. You wow. know? And it was just so mysterious to them. And so and what's over there? I don't know. But I think it's dragons. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I remember seeing that and being like, wow, like these guys, like, you know, there's there's such a heroic well, they are heroes in in their their way, but there's such a heroic kind of uh, aura around them, but they were scared, you know, like these early sailors and pioneers. It was scary. The ocean is scary and it's it rightfully deserves our respect and fear even when i go to that um you know bar down by the docks that's gotten really popular with like people that aren't at you know fancy spots they're going to this like yeah, yeah fisherman's yeah. bar you know and, i think like, i know exactly what you're talking about i know about. <laughs> i know you do but you know what like those same guys that are like a novelty that people look at in the like in this place where they're drinking at are out there right now where it's like you know negative five degrees and the wind's blowing and the swells are kicked up and they're catching food for everyone on land you know like the amount of respect i have for those guys i literally can't do their job i literally don't have the uh the guts to do it mm, it's a tough job that's the truth man if there's anything i'm really scared of it's if you sent me out on a boat past land that's it like i'm no way it's the ocean it's the ocean and that's a reasonable fear you know <clears throat> it's a, it's a respectful fear you know, it's, it's a fear. It's not irrational. It's, it's, com it's with great experience that you, you know, you have this fear and respect. And, and to be honest, I think we all do. We all fear the ocean, you know, and we all like rightfully so again, I'll say, you know, fear the ocean and you have to, it's your way of like being respectful. It's like, it's the same way you fear your dad when you're a kid and you don't want to do something wrong because you know, there's a consequence for it. You know, you do something wrong, you're going to get spanked or whatever, you know, however your parents disciplined you. But it's that same fear. It's not like afraid, but 
it's a respected like I fear the consequence of doing wrong, you know, or I fear the consequence of meeting the ocean on her bad day. Yeah. You know what's interesting about that or what it made me think about was like the beta on waves, right? Like so I do a lot of rock climbing now and I didn't do it up until about a year ago, maybe two years ago now. And um, something that I've really learned that's a cool word is called beta. And basically there's like these walls and there's these problems on the walls is what they call them. And I don't even have the terminology like perfect, but you know, um, how you hang your body, how you twist your body, how you, where you put your hands and where the holds are and where you go is like the beta for that wall or for that specific climb, you know, mm. and it could have a difficulty to it. So it could be like, if it's a bouldering problem, it would be like a V1 through whatever. If it's a, a actual like outside wall or whatever, it could be 10, you know, there's all these different rating systems. Something that I learned, something that, something that people maybe w would be interested to hear was like, when I went, when I was that same time that the Vulcan Pro was happening, there was, um, there was, it was just starting to show at Waimea. And in the morning, my brother Joe had gone, was going to go with Mark Cunningham, and they were going to go body surf pipeline before it. And I just thought it was the most insane idea. I'm like, you guys are absolutely nuts. And Mark's Uncle Mark was like, well, why don't you load up, why don't, baby Sal, why don't you load up a, a surfboard? And it was, I had this 9.6 McTavish, and uh, it was like a surf tech. And he goes, why don't you load up your board? Maybe there'll be somewhere where you could get some waves. I don't want us to just go out in the water and you not have your experience. And I remember we pulled around. It's, you know, like this bend. Um, it's like this bend and they have like these wind turbines or whatever there. And But then you pull into the parking lot. And I remember Mark was talking to like one of his lifeguarding buddies and whatever. And we're looking out and I'm just like, I could do that. Like I could surf this wave. But I was like so scared of it. Right, you're not talking about the short break, are you? No, I'm talking about like uh. like it's called uh, they call it uh, pinballs uh. because you're basically anyway like to shorten the story. But you you I got out there and I was sitting out and it was building and I kept on paddling further and further out and I didn't catch a wave, and the guys came out two of Mark's friends I think I don't, he's never really admitted it or not but they came out to body surf out there, and they go hey man you got to get a lot closer to the rocks, to the rocks. Like you gotta get, you gotta sit on the rocks. Like we call this uh, ping pong ball or whatever, uh, pinballs for a reason. Like if you wanna get one of these waves, like you gotta, you gotta do it. And it was that same moment where I was like, but they were giving me the math on the wave. They were giving me the beta. And they were like, you know, they were showing me like that next boil out there that you see is where the wave is gonna break when it's bigger. And every once in a while, you're going to have to go hard left away from that wave. But I know it's scary and there's sets coming in, but they're really not going to hit here. They're going to hit right there at this spot. And I remember, like it was yesterday, dropping in on this set and like waiting to get to the bottom of the wave and turning my and like just having this out of body experience. And I only caught like four or five waves that day. But if those guys had never told that to me, I would have been out there and here obviously you know both of us know like how long have we been surfing ditch and even in that all the nuances that are under the ocean and that are also with landmarks on the land i mm -hmm. mean you know it's funny sometimes i think that people like i almost notice i observe people watching me because i've gotten a lot of waves and 
and when they're watching me, I, I, I'm so always curious if they know what I'm doing. I'm always looking back at the beach mm-hmm. and I'm always like paddling and I'm constantly, I'm, I'm constantly moving. I'm not static. <laughs> I'm constantly moving, <laughs> but it's because I'm, I'm lining myself up with the markers that I've made throughout the years on right. the beach. Yeah, and I'm realizing now it, it sounds very similar to climbing in that sense that you have to have this very holistic map, this picture. It's not, it's not just this little closed off window to the world, but you have to be looking around and by by re- like starting to recognize patterns and then looking at the land and, and getting landmarks and lineups that you that'll help you stay in that position because you recognize a pattern. And yeah, it's 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 pretty fascinating. How about that rock at 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 dirt lot? You know the rock. Yeah, of course. And you can go over that rock. And if you're any other surfer or you haven't surfed there for a long time, you don't really know if you can or can't go over that rock. But you can get the sickest off the lip off of that rock. You could possibly get barreled past it. You can get you can, you know, get a sick nose ride. Mm-hmm. But if you see it as you're approaching it, any any reasonable surfer would turn away from it and basically straighten out. You know, and on bigger days we use that's an advantage that we have is that we know sure. that rock, you mm-hmm. know, like but again, even just saying it, it's so vague that if you went out there and you were like, which rock was he talking about? It would be hard to tell, but you right. and I know that rock, right, you know, right, right, yeah. and there's a couple of them, you know, like, and that's the other cool part I think that you get over time is like all these little like landmarks. And that's the beauty of like having, having a spot that you surf all the time, you know, cause it's not, it's not like a, it's not like a track, you know, like that you run, you know, once around as a quarter mile, twice around as a half mile, you know, it's like, there's so many little pieces to a surf spot that make it you know unique and special and you just need to spend a lifetime to to really discover it and that's why you know you can you can travel and surf and have a great time and have you ever come home and surfed and been like whoa like i feel like i'm so much better here Mm. and it's just because you're i guess one confident but two you know the wave and you know the geography and the bathymetry and the lineups and there's so much more to it than just an approaching wave that's coming at you you know i get i you know you know how it is, man. We're on, we're Long Islanders. Like we're tough as nails in a way. Like if you go, you could go out to certain places on in Mid Long Island, as you know, and no, everyone's a stone cold. They're not going to give you a single point of beta. But ev- I try to find those guys, like those old timers in the break, that there's a little glitch in their armor, <laughs> or there's a place where I could get in with them, where I could become their friends, or just become their friend for that day. You know, like a like a secret agent to go like, okay, where are you sitting? Can I sit with you? Can I, I'll sit inside of you. Like I'll let you get all the choice set waves, but there's I know that there's another one behind it mm-hmm. or before it that you're not going to go for, and that's the one that I'm going to get. That's going to like you know make my whole day. Mm-hmm. You know, I look for the I search for that like for that person in every lineup. You know, Tony Caramonico was that guy for me for years, and when I used to surf with Tony. Tony used to purposely try to throw us off because he knew there was like, and Tony, I know, like, if I, I wish I, I, I know for a fact he would paddle completely away from a zone and then go right, right before the the set was about to hit, go Come back. right back into uh, that the zone. The old bait and switch. Yeah, of course. There's a spot here that I do that all the time, and that the actual better wave is more on the inside. You know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> And, um, and, and, but it does start to break outside, further up the point. And, and there's just something psychological in humans that you want to go to the beginning or the top or the most outside, you know, yes. like they just want to be outside of the way. But if you can refrain from that, that urge to paddle all the way out the back and stay towards the inside, 
you get the better wave. And any, and whenever anybody starts catching on to me and they see like, oh man, he's getting longer and faster rides in there and they start coming back in, that's when I do the old bait and switch and I go to the outside right. and I know you that- You get a bomb. Yeah, yeah. To pair, paired with the, the already existing psychology that people want to be outside and me going out there, they all come back out. And then yeah. once I get the group back out to the outside, then I come back into my inside spot and I love it. <laughs> it works every time. I, bro, I feel like I, I proverbially take a bullet for like my friends all the time, man. Like you will be with the group in a way or a, our group will be in the group or whatever and surfing and I'll paddle away. So I'll see a bunch of newer people coming out and I'll paddle somewhere completely different and catch a bunch of waves. And I'm purposely, draw, come here, I'm purposely doing that to draw them. You know, <laughs> I'm purposely doing it to just, just thin it out a little bit on yeah, the, yeah, like yeah. make it all even. So. Totally. But it's funny because, you know, for newer surfers, it'd be funny if they, if they actually paddle, if they, when they paddled out, they were perceptive and they looked around and they made some eye contact with people and they saw who smiled at them and who mm. didn't. I've made, I've paddled out to lineups before and I've made eye contact with every single person and the person's face didn't move an inch. If anything, they moved to a scowl. I already know, okay, I'm probably, I probably need to sit on the inside and I need to just have a great session because yeah, I'm probably not going to break in. They want their space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But That's every- a really great point that you're hitting on because we talk about that all the time. Like, look around you. You know, surf on the inside. Give the people their space. You know, just basically look. And and if you get that reception and a friendly smile, then maybe you can kind of creep over and start to make friends. But you get the scowl or the hairy eyeball, stay away. You know, yeah, be just wise. Give, them, give them their room. And again, they might be wrong too. Like, they might be performing from a from a, something that that's happening in, at home with their kids or whatever it is, like whatever they're reacting from. But like, if you really are at peace with yourself and if you want to just have a good session, le- learn those 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 quirks of people because it's they're not going to change when you're yeah. out there. And the quirks. How of many the years have we surfed with them where they're you know there's just certain people sure. where yeah, it's, it's just you just you just leave the, those ones alone. But uh, uh, you know, and the quirks of the lineup too. There isn't just a wave where the guy you see getting all the waves is. No. There's also waves inside of him and to the left and to the right of him. You know, I mean, we're talking about some pretty high quality epic spots that only have one single focus takeoff point. And remember, our listeners are mostly beginners. Beginners are surfing like, you know, big beach break crumbles to the beach and there's there's places all over. So it's uh, it's wise of, of you to find your spot in the lineup and go practice there. But uh, so then moving on from that stuff, I, I wanted to also ask you about your inspirations, which, I, you know, it's funny. Every one of these questions I'm asking, I sort of already know the answers, you know, because I mean, yeah. we've talked about this stuff endlessly for the last 20, 30 years of our life. But for the listener's sake, what are who are some of your surfing inspirations and who are people you look up to uh, that that make in any way, shape or form, whether it's performance based or attitude, you know, that you want to encom- and like take on and, and adopt into your own life as a surfer? But surfing inspirations. Um. Well, I mean, just just on the home front, um, there was you know Tony Caramonico obviously had always had an incredible style, and he always just had a grace about him. And one of the things that he does that <coughs> I've always tried to recreate is he would make his way back to the uh, to the to the. Um, to the crumble and to the basically the fulcrum of the wave and he would just he would always feather at that point of that fulcrum of the wave till like the right moment was to strike where the where was going to wall up again and then he would just be in the in the perfect moment to get through that section and just watching him surf as a kid before I even surfed 
I feel like I downloaded some of his mannerisms. I mean, Stevie White is probably one of the biggest um, impacts of surfing. And like to explain him to someone who wouldn't know him, it would be like, you know, it's just like this happy surfing person that is constantly goofing off and like doesn't take it seriously. But it is the most serious thing in the world because he's like, that's where his joy comes from. But I mean, I've been out there in the dead of winter, in the middle of nowhere, at some random spot, and I ran into Stevie White, and he's wearing like a floral pink jumpsuit with like a, you know, magenta hat, and like he's got these glasses that that say like 2005, and it's 2017, (laughs) and he's like, Happy New Year's, man, like, and just that, in that moment, like, I'm, I'm smiling, and like, you know, he's, anything that's happened before, but like, he surfs like that and I, he plays and I think that, you know, me personally when I surf, <clears throat> going switch dance and doing all these other like alternative alternative moves has come from being inspired by him. But then like if it goes to actual surfers like Rusty Kailana, um, Buffalo Kailana, again I was a big guy. So when I saw Buffalo at Makaha when I was a kid, going off of this whitewash and barely even moving when, you know, the Grom in front of him was flying 20 feet in the air. <laughs> I was like, Buffalo's like, you know. I would say probably my biggest, one of my biggest inspirations was Bonga Perkins because Bonga was on the world surfing world tour and uh, he was just such a power surfer. And everything that he did was like, he was sending, um, he was sending that wave in your direction. You know, I felt like he was literally just he was altering the space that the water occupied in yeah. such a crazy way that I was like, this guy, you know. <clears throat> there were other guys that were that aggressive at the time, I remember. Those 90s surfers, like Sonny Garcia was another one. When Sonny Garcia was pulling into a barrel at Pipeline, it was almost like he was wrestling with the wave. And when he came down the wave and he went to make his turn, he grabbed his board and he goes, come here, <laughs> we're about to get in here, you know. And then like once he was in, he allowed that, like the nature to do it, but... It was that moment of power and aggression, almost, you know, in a healthy way. It wasn't like a, you know, a, Not a strange angry way. way. Yeah, no, no, but it I was know like, what you Just mean. like this powerful, this fight, this battle, you know, this epic battle that I really love to see, you know. Totally. So that's some good research for the listeners to do. Go look up Bonga Perkins, Sonny Garcia, Buffalo. Uh, what was it? Rusty Kailana. Rusty Kailana. Yeah, I mean, geez. Um, and, and then, you know, so go find those surfers on YouTube or something. I'm sure the videos are out there. And then also go back and listen to uh, Tony Tony Caramanico and Stevie White's podcast because I did an episode with each of them. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear Stevie's. I want to hear that you'll one. You'll get to glean just a little bit of those guys' uh, personality through their their audio and, and, you know, what they say and how they talk and both super influential surfers for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the, at that time, like, uh, also when it was like, I feel like it was the era of Joel Tudor, you know, because he had reinitiated this style, you know, everyone was doing maneuvers, but they weren't really styling. And he had this grace about him. There were kind of other surfers in that time period. And, um, my brother Joe was friends with a guy, Dustin Franks. And Dustin was friends with a bunch of pros from California and they were doing a photo shoot. And it was Cassia Miador, it was Belinda Bags, it was uh, Dane Peterson, it was uh, Alex Nost. The gals and guys were just really special people. And you know what was funny is like, they weren't doing something where in a competition, I don't even know if the judges would know what was going on. Mm. Like they were legitimately enjoying themselves and legitimately expressing themselves in the wave 
And that was the coolest thing. Like, I feel like that was like a revolution, you know, from what was happening at the time. Mm. And it's funny now because actually the revolution is televised or whatever you'd say. Like, it, it actualized itself. And people buy, are buying those boards now and they're trying to recreate that style. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just comes off as really ugly. And we say, you know, like, it's the fashion of surfing instead <laughs> of the function. Right, right. And I think that, like, you know, what they're, what they're doing is actually, it, it's simple in terms of maneuver but what you'll find when you try to do it is it's so complex in terms of doing whatever it is they're doing in on each wave again each wave is different you know so to achieve that that line that trim every time and have that beautiful Balance glide and flow and, and that's pretty complex yeah it's pretty complex and it's not like the kind of complexity that a judge would rate as a one to ten it's the kind of complexity that you would rate and be like holy shit what they're doing is actually not that easy. I feel like Jerry Lopez was kind of the guy that did that in a way with shortboarding. Like Jerry was, you know, you'd see him drop in on this single fin and pipeline and that was when it was starting to get a lot more extreme. Like there was people that were using three skeg surfboards now and slashing the lip. But Jerry held this old school, big bottom turn. You know, Evan, I feel like surfs like, you know, Evan's got Jerry in him. Like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. man, like. Simple lines. Yeah, but he's also just smooth and the power that he harnesses. Like I've, you know, when we've been out with Evan, like a little east, you know, not fully east, but just a little east and uh, just him dropping in on waves. And I'm like, how is he reaching light, light year? Not to mention his boards that he makes that are amazing. But like, how is he reaching like the, like the speed of light right now? Like just with these simple gyrations of the body or arches of the back or, Mm. you know, it's like, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a great style, that's for sure. Uh, but before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you about um, what's we got to come up with a kooky moment because I'm sure we have had <laughs> thousands together. Uh, like, let's. I want to think of it if we both were involved, but if you have one on your own too. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think the one in Hawaii was really like one of my biggest. Uh, it was one of the biggest kind of reaffirmations of that, like having that respect, but. You know, I was out at this place called Baby Makapu, and my whole family was there, which is my brother's kind of married into a Hawaiian family. So, you know, the fa- there was family there and everything. But, And I was out there, and I was waiting for the set. I was waiting to get a set wave all day, and I was surfing the inside, and I was having a blast. And I just kind of got a little overexcited, and I paddled out to the top of the peak when everyone kind of got a wave. But I really paddled out into like major pole position. I could have been a little more inside on the, even on the outside. There's a version of when you paddle out to the outside where you make an authentic stand like I'm catching the next wave. And then there's being at the top of the peak kind of with the pack. And, you know, you're kind of shooting it out a little bit. Yeah, in position, but not necessarily taking action. In pole position. And I went into pole position and I dropped in on this set wave, and this guy dropped in on, or dropped in right in front of me, and stood up like at the same time as me. So, technically, it's like gray, but he should get off. And he literally just went straight and was staring at me and pointing me like off of the wave. And so, like I jump off my board, and there's like reef there, so it's a little critical. And I come back up, and he goes, "Hey, are you out of your mind, man? Like you were doing so good on the inside there. Don't you know there's a pecking order around here? Did you grow up surfing here your whole life?" Like, what are you doing? And I remember just being so embarrassed. And I was like, oh, man, I'm really sorry. And, like, he knew kind of, like, that I had waited my turn and everything. But he was just basically letting me know, like, 
We're, wait, waiting your turn one day is not enough. Waiting your turn one day <laughs> is not enough. And you know what? That might be a good lesson right there, Chris, is that waiting your turn for one day on a weekend might not net you into the, you know, the loving arms of all of us that are out there, <laughs> you know, like. Right, right. I mean, look. Yeah, you think because you passed up a few set waves, now you're entitled to the next. Right, and no one's saying that, like, we're some entitled, high and mighty, like, you know, but there is something to be said about showing, you know, showing some love and showing some respect. Well, I mean, what if everybody just paddled out, anybody who had a board just paddled out and tried to get a set wave? Yeah. You know, it would be chaos. It'd be mayhem. So there's a reason for those things. There's a reason why, you know, that guy wanted to show you a signal, especially in Hawaii, you know? Yeah. I feel like because everybody's going to Hawaii to try and prove their self, you know, and, and go out there and surf. So imagine if, like, the locals just let it happen. Have They'd you be ever totally run over. Have you ever interviewed Jim Goldberg? No, but I'd like to. Bro, he was, like, the original enforcer. And I remember when I was a kid, the, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was I was, like, out there one day, and I'm like, Surfing with all the all the guys and Rusty is out there, you know Russell Drum. Of course, and uh, talk about influential surfers. Yeah, and who was just like a lover too. Like he, Rusty was a tough guy. Like he had a tough way about him when he surfed and everything, and he didn't want you to like be, you know, insult the wave and everything. But once you were in with Rusty, like you were a part oh, of the family. Sweetheart. I mean, so much advice and just elder eldership came from him. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, but. So I was out there one day and I was like getting big for my britches and I was on the inside and Jimmy was coming down the line and I paddled for the wave like right in front of him. We had known each other for like, you know, two or three years at this point. So I'm like, you know, started when I was seven or eight. So I was like 11 at the time, you know, (laughs) (laughs) he pulls his board and he swings it and like gives me a haircut, like doesn't like doesn't hit me, but like gives me a haircut and swings and like pulls off the wave while I'm like paddling for it. And I'm like, whoa. So I literally just pull off the wave like so that meant like that meant something. Yeah. And he's sitting there on his board and he's just looking at me and he goes, hey, he goes, I just want you to know I'll let you get a couple waves. But if you ever drop in on me. I'll cut you in half. <laughs> and I'm like 11 years old. You know, he's like a 40-year-old guy. Like, you know, like he's a grown, you know. And he's like, you see this big heavy board? I think it would make it all the way through. It'll cut you right in half. <laughs> Just like, oh, my God. Like, but, you know, that was the way we learned our lessons, man. And like. Hell, yeah. Grom, I learned those lessons. Yeah, the Grom initiations. Like, it was no joke. But, you know, everyone's got it a lot easier now that wants to surf anywhere i feel like it's you know but that goes back to you know it is what it is you should still have that you should still approach it with that humbleness and that love and respect that you know mm-hmm. someone's been here they've been you know they've been for, they've been holding the line they've been you know they've been out there so you know i mean yeah i mean not to not to get too not to get too deep with it but you know the magic has been taken out a lot by like the surf forecast in general just when you go on like, you know, um, whatever, I don't know, magic seaweed. I don't know. I don't even go on, I don't even check surf forecasts, you know? So that's how like antiquated I am. I'd like go to the beach and look at the waves, <laughs> you know, but you know, a lot of the magic of that too has been taken out, which is, you know, sometimes, sometimes, but you have to adjust with the times and like, well, it's like what we were talking about earlier before we started recording, you know, with the evolution and the way things are changing and yeah. You know, uh, the balance. It doesn't necessarily mean you got to be on the cutting edge of the of the forecast and the technology behind surfing, but 
you know. Yeah, but if you don't adapt, you might not get the best wave at the right time. Right. You know, and or a we, lot of people have that math. Like, you have that math, and that's why I call you <laughs> whenever I want to know <laughs> if the waves are good. That's why I happily tell you. <laughs> yeah. That's what I do. Now I just make phone calls. I'm like, hey, William. Hey, Chris. Hey, what's the waves like? What are we doing? Where are we surfing? Right. What? How many seconds out of the west, east, west, whatever? <laughs> what tides? Like, I don't know any of that stuff. Yeah, but it's it's also, yeah, it, sometimes it means nothing because you think you got it all wired and you get to the beach and you're like, it's totally wrong. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally wrong about this one. So I guess there's something to be said about just going to the beach and seeing. That's how it was when we were kids. I think at the very most, we had a surf report to call, you know, that the guy recorded in the morning Remember on that answering Main machine. Beach? Main yeah. Beach did one. I remember Bunger Surf Shop doing one, yep. you know, and Unsound. And I used to call all three, you yep. know, and, and try to like... Remember being on hold when like the waves were good and it would be like, yeah, get the busy signal. All the surfers are calling in. Like so constantly it's like, calling. Totally. Wow. Oh my God. Um... And, but by the time I could go, it was after school, and that recording was from the morning. Yeah. You know? So, like, sometimes it would just be wildly off. Yeah, the thing that I didn't like about that was I, I have a reputation with my friends, um, especially, like, newer friends that I made, not necessarily you, but I'll be like, it's firing, you know? And, like, when they get to the beach, they're like, dude, I saw the forecast. It says one one feet at three seconds or whatever. And But for me, it's always like, there's certain days where it doesn't look right for what, when they say like it didn't look right on the computer. But for me, it's like every day is special, you know, like mm-hmm. and you got to get out there and you got to hit it when it's, you know. And I heard Evan actually say, I listened to you and Evan talking um, whatever on another one of these. And uh, he was saying that and I just couldn't agree more with him. I was just so happy he said it. Like mm. you got to go out on the bad it's days. so true. And that's what we, we learned that when we were kids. Yeah. Because before you have even this sense of like wave quality. It's just waves. There's just ocean. And if there's white water, we were stoked. Like offshore, onshore, sideshore, none of that mattered. It was just energy in the ocean moving towards the beach enough that you could try and catch it. And yeah. I think we got to like remember that regardless of conditions, when you go out there and try and catch waves, it's fun. If you're a perpetual intermediate and you really are a fair weather surfer, you should probably reconsider that maybe the reason you're a perpetual intermediate and never really progressing is because you don't surf on the bad days. Right. You don't surf when it's big and completely blown out and have to figure out the waves. I mean, how many days have we gone out when it was big and blown out and like just got crazy hits off of sections or just crazy amounts of speeds and pockets and how much joy we got from that or just getting tumbled. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or just struggling the whole time but kind of enjoying just the, the idea of survival, you know, and having to do a really good duck dive or, or paddle out of the way of big lumpy peaks and just, you know, like there's so much more to surfing than riding a beautiful clean wave like on the cover of a magazine, you know, like that's a great moment too and you'll enjoy that when that moment comes. But um, to, to limit yourself to only going out when that potentially can happen is a serious limit on your progression. I wanted to, the, I guess, one of the last things, because we're, but I wanted to thank you, man, for what you're doing with surfing now and how you're instructing people. I appreciate and that. And how you're, no, because you know what, Chris, like, I think that, um, I think that it would be, it's a lot, there's a, there's a lot easier way to teach people and to love people through the moment of surfing, but I think you're doing it the right way. And I think you're really giving people something that they can hold on to and something that th- that they can grow off of as a building block. And, you know, it's the same thing as, you know, when I wanted to play football or when I wanted to, when we wanted to be wrestlers, you have to drill. 
you know, we didn't make it to be all county wrestlers because we didn't drill in the in the room, you know, and you're teaching people those long yards things that they need to put into surfing to get the dividends that they want. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's something that's really been looked over and hasn't been addressed by the, you know, push them in, pop up culture. And, you know, I really like that you're, you know, and again, it's it's continuing on, I feel like in many ways, Tony's legacy, because I remember as a kid seeing Tony out there so many times with one person, just him and the guy, and really going into it with him and giving him the details, giving him the thing. And it's awesome that you're incorporating technology, which we were talking about as the wave, it, th- this new wave that you can analyze people surfing. You could literally pick up on all of these nuances that they're making mistakes with because of the technology and the tools that you have now to monitor them with video and everything else and to give them, and you know, that's going to make them progress way faster than, yeah, that's the idea. than, than ever before. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And I think, I think what's an important thing that you started saying is just that, you know, learning something and doing something are separate, you know, and learning how to do something, especially if you're, you know, cause I, I kind of vet out my students to be people who are passionate about learning. They can't just be in it for the fun of the day cause it's not fun for the day. You know, it, it takes a lot of hard work. And so that's something I recognized in all the other sports I played, like in high school and stuff, it really wasn't that fun. But you know what? It was pretty damn fun when you won because you worked so hard to get there, you know? And uh, and it was pretty horrible when you didn't win because you didn't work hard enough or because, you know, and, and not talking about when someone's just better than you and this is also a competitive sport, so the analogy is getting a little distant. But the point being is that learning how to do something and learning how to do it well is hard and it's not easy. And if you have a coach like myself who's pushing you to do these things and expecting a higher standard from you within 90 minutes, it really is not fun a lot of times. And nobody <laughs> wants to do sprints and push-ups right. and uh, lines. Right. Nobody wants stuff. to do that stuff. It's boring. It sucks. But Yeah, you're giving them the equivalent of that. And if they, if they take it on, then they're going to progress. If they don't, then, you know, they, there's a high likelihood that they're not going to get the beta, you know? Right. right. And so, yeah, and that's what it's all about. It's learning all these skills and the dr- learning the drills that I give. And, and the, these techniques that I force you to repeat over and over because when the wave is coming, sometimes that's the only shot you're going to get until the next set or, or until, you know, the better surfers get their waves. And that's not a lot of chances, you know? So you really want to nail it when that opportunity comes and you, you nail it by yeah. practicing those drills. I was watching you the other day. I watch people, you know, that's one of the things. I just, I like to observe people. I, it makes me think. And it was really heady. I was watching you and I was watching you be selective with the person for the wave that they were going to get. And I'm like, wow, he's not just like saying like, okay, I'm just going to push him into this wave. Like, you know, you, you basically were like walking them through, like, why are we going to go on this one? What's that about it? What's the traits in the wave? How is it coming at us? How is it curling? How, where, what spot are we in for that to happen? Once they get all those concepts, those are really the ones that you need to actually get yourself somewhere. Right. There's something different about like, than putting posting a photo on your Facebook page that you surfed mm-hmm. versus you know right. actually being right. a surfer. Again, this is this is just the difference between the people that I teach and, <clears throat> and everybody else who just wants to have fun for the day. And you know, I have like nothing against it. It's just my passion is in education and thorough like learning so that you can take what I've given you and continue on your own to develop it. Because you know, you definitely don't want to just do it with me. It takes way too long. You know, you'll get sick of me before you learn it. But you know, you can learn from me what you need to be practicing, and then go off on your own and keep working to cultivate, and then come back and check in with me, perhaps. But you know, 
the, the that's what I really strive to deliver is the the really good meat the 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 substance the stuff that's going to make you able to continue on your own and be independent and proficient. So do I get a discount because I'm your friend? Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> dude, I, I need. I think I need to get in shape like you. Jeez, like how do I do that? Shit, dude. You know how much I've learned from you, and that's that's the beautiful thing about learning is that there's no like level criteria. You know, you learn from people who are equal to you, better than you, worse than you. You just if you yeah. have that mind, you can learn. Yeah, and just and that's and that's why I always say that's why I call this the kook cast because I think of myself as a kook at times. You know, a beginner. And I want to keep myself in that mentality. I want to have the beginner's mindset forever because the beginner's mindset can paddle out in shitty conditions all the time and have fun. You know, I wanted to tell you, uh, you know, that you are part of the East Side Boys. So just remember, kooks, <laughs> the East Side Boys are around, and we're we're all right. But you know, <laughs> it's not me. It's like you know this guy that looks like Superman. You don't you won't even know that. We're, we're, <laughs> but you know, be mindful. They're out there. They're keeping an eye on things, you know, and, and again, it's just a healthy, it's just about having healthy love and respect. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that was epic episode. If you're, uh, if you're not subscribed to the KookCast, you need to get on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. Since you're already there, you can hit the five star button and you can also leave us a review. It all helps us. And, uh, you know how we love to, uh, get suggestions and content. I really appreciate everybody that writes in and sends emails and all those nice words. And hey, I don't mind the criticisms either. So if you've got a, if you've got a complaint or a criticism, send that my way too. I'll read it live. <laughs> I'll read fun. it first and then I'll read yeah. <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm going to have Sal read it first and send them your way. And then I'll pretend like I'm all cool with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for listening in guys and uh, we'll catch you next week. Woo!